in your Bibles to Psalm 120. Psalm 120. And as we mentioned this morning, we're beginning a new series in the book of Psalms, and particularly the Psalms of Ascents. Um, it's a hard word to say, isn't it? Ascents. Um, but the Psalms of Ascents. And we're starting uh, this evening uh, with uh, Psalm 100, uh, 120. So I'm going to read it out for us. So Psalm 120. Let's hear God's word. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, and that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. This is God's word. Well, as I say, we're beginning a new series in the Psalms, so let's um, figure out why we're going to do that to begin with. So, um, first of all, why uh, uh, the Psalms uh, as a a book in general? And I think there's some good reasons for why we should look at the Psalms as a church and as as people. Uh, Often the Psalms are thought to be the hymn book of the church. That's one of the things that is often said about them. And there's certainly, uh, that's certainly a fair thing to say, but they're a bit more than that, really. I uh, like the word psalmotherapy to describe what the psalms are trying to do. And I, I picked it up from some commentator, and I cannot for the life of me remember which, otherwise I credit it to him. But it's not my word, it's someone else's word, whoever he or she may be. But psalmotherapy. And I like that because part of the purpose of the psalms, when we're reading them, is to do deep work um, spiritually and emotionally in our hearts. So one of the reasons why it's important for us um, throughout church history, but particularly right now in this stage in which, of course, we live, is there's great need, I think, among God's people for healing, uh, for deep emotional and spiritual work. And there is a book in the Bible that's intended to do that, and yet so often it is uh, hardly read. Uh, some people love the Psalms, other people cannot stand them. I think as you get older, you tend to like them more. Um, my wife, who obviously I talk through with her what kind of books of the Bible I'm going to study next, she always likes it when I um, preach on narratives. And if I ever tell her I'm going to preach on the Psalms, she tends to groan, Oh no, not the Psalms. So maybe you feel like that, though probably you don't because you're here. But... Um, <laughs> But I think there is good reason for it. They're meant to do, and that's what we're going to try to do this evening, to do a therapeutic work. So there's obviously doctrine in the Psalms, very importantly, but the poetic nature of the Psalms, um, the literary quality of the Psalms, all that is intended by God, I think, to do psalmotherapy. We're going into the counseling room with God, 
And we're praying that by his spirit, he would do healing work in our lives. So that's why we, we look at the Psalms. John Calvin uh, called the Psalms a mirror to the soul, S-O-U-L, a mirror to the soul. Similar sort of idea. They show us what we're like and who God is at a deep uh, emotive spiritual level. So that's why the Psalms. Uh, why the Psalms of Ascents? Uh, the Psalms of Ascents, you can see, are a distinct um, bit of the Psalms. The Psalms are, uh, have their own structure to them as a book. And the Psalms of Ascent go from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. Each of them are called a Song of Ascents. And uh, there are different theories as to what the, the purpose of this um, section is. And, and no one really knows for sure. And the reason why no one really knows for sure is because no one actually knows what the ascent, which of course is going up, you're ascending, what the, song, the songs or the psalms of ascent are meant to be ascending to. It's never told us specifically. So there are lots of different theories about it. One very popular theory is that they were sung as God's people returned from Babylon, which is certainly possible. Um, those of us, though, who think that the ascriptions to the, the psalms, so if you look down your Bible, see at the top of each of these psalms, there's a little title, which I didn't read out, but it says, A Song of Ascents, and they're called ascriptions. Those of us who think the ascriptions are also inspired, and there's debate on that, but I tend to lean towards yes, but we don't know for sure, um, the, um, uh, the ascriptions in, for instance, in Psalm 122, it says, of David. Now, again, that's a little interesting translation thing because to say it's of David doesn't necessarily mean that it's by David, um, but it probably does. So, obviously, if, if David wrote Psalm 122, as is probably the case, uh, then, obviously, they weren't composed uh, as they were coming out of Babylon, though they could have been sung then, because that's much later, of course. Um, well, that's one theory. They were uh, sung as God's people came, up, came out of Babylon. Another theory for why they're called songs of ascents is because it's possible to discern not only that the, the section is an ascending, 120 to 134, is an ascending set of psalms, uh, but that actually within the psalms, each of them, there's an ascending quality to them. Uh, I'm told for those uh, who know Hebrew better than I do, obviously I know Hebrew a little bit and I always look at the Hebrew before I preach in the Old Testament, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be teaching Hebrew at Wheaton College. Um, but for those who know Hebrew better than I do, uh, that Psalm 130 has a fairly obvious um, ascending quality to it in the original. Uh, but while that's the case, some of them do, uh, not all of them, as far as I can see, when I was looking at them in more detail in the Hebrew, not all of them seem to have that obvious ascending poetic quality to them. What is more, other psalms, outside of this particular section of the, of the songs of sense, they also have an ascending quality in the Hebrew to them. So it's possible that the reason why they're called songs of sense is because they're ascending in their literary quality internally, not just as a structural section, 120 to 134, obviously that's the case, um, but internally it's, it's a possible reason. 
Um, some people have uh, wondered whether, because it's thought there were 15 steps from the courts of the women up until uh, up into the, the next bit of the temple, that these were sung kind of on each of the steps. You know, you sing one and then you sing another and that kind of thing. And certainly that's possible, but there's no, we, we don't know for sure. There's no way of knowing. Uh, myself, I think that um, it seems to me the most obvious answer is that the reason why they're called Songs of Ascent is, and we, you can tell it from the title to the series, it's a journey, it's a, or to use John Bunyan's language, it's a pilgrimage. So they're intended, and, that, and they surely they would have been used by God's people in a number of different instances and occasions, just like they are still today in, among God's people. But they're intended to take us on a journey, a journey closer to God. They're intended to to bring us from one place and lead us closer to God and doing that therapeutic spiritual healing work to bring us closer to God. And that's why we called it uh, A Journey uh, to God, this series. So why the Psalms, um, Psalmotherapy, A Mirror to the Soul, as Calvin puts it, why these particular Psalms? Uh, Because I think... I've already mentioned A Pilgrim's Progress, but in uh, popular kind of um, um, narrative uh, uh, stories today, everyone is on a journey. Uh, The journey is the thing right now. Um, And of course, uh, uh, that's one of the reasons why Tolkien's Lord of the Rings is so popular, the famous quotation from it that was used in the movie, not all those who wander are lost. We're on a journey, but are we on a journey going anywhere? And will we find the safe harbor, or is our culture actually lost, though it's wandering? Well, not all those who journey are lost, and this journey is intended to take us to God. So that's why uh, these particular Psalms of Ascent, I think, are worth studying Overall, especially in this book of Psalms. So, why then? If I may, uh, why then this? Uh, what's, what, why should we listen to this particular Psalm 120? Well, this Psalm starts in a rather strange. Uh, you know, if this is a series of steps in a journey towards God, it starts in an unusual place. It starts with dealing with lies, deceit. You know, deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. It's all about lying. Of course, how relevant that is. Uh, We live in a world of misinformation, massive confusion, huge amounts of deceit. Uh, We live in a world where the internet and social media can put you in a position whereby it feels like there's a web of lies all around you. And here, uh, the psalm is basically saying, I, I think, and it's, as it tells the, as it poetically and therapeutically works through it, it it's, it's saying that only God uh, can um, rescue you from lies. And it, it shows us that in, in basically three ways. There are basically three movements to it. The first is a prayer, uh, and then the, it, there's pain. As I say, it's therapeutic. It talks very frankly about pain, I think. And then finally, it lands us in a place of peace. So first of all, the prayer, verses 1 to 2. In my distress, what do you do? I called to the Lord. He's praying. 
And what happened? He answered me. What do you say? Deliver me, O Lord, against a prayer from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. So say you, you feel like you're surrounded by lies. Uh, you feel as if you've been slandered. Someone has said something about you, perhaps in a church context, perhaps in a work context, perhaps in a college or university context, perhaps in a professional context. And now it feels like wherever you go, there's this cloud around you of what other people think about you because they've heard this thing about you that's not true. And when that happens, uh, it's, it's very easy to do exactly what this psalmist does not do. It's very easy to uh, go internal and feel shamed. And it's very easy to go and talk to all sorts of other people about it and just make it worse. But the first thing to do is to go to God, to pray. In my distress, I went around and talked to all my friends. In my distress, I um, got out the bottle of whiskey and I felt better for a moment. Uh, In my distress... I felt very, very depressed because they've been so horrible to me. No, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. Uh, Note, as he's praying, uh, how he begins to identify uh, the, um, the nature of the issue. This often happens, I think, when we pray. Uh, we start to see things more from a God point of view and we start to understand just the depth of the problem. And the words that he chooses here are really quite interesting. So in my distress, the word there for distress has a sense of a narrow confine. And see, that's what happens when someone lies about you and spreads slander and deceit about you. It feels like you've been trapped You're in a box. Everyone's labeled you. That's what he's, as he talks to God, he realizes that's what he's facing. He's facing being trapped, labeled, stereotyped. Um, And the word for deceitful tongue has in it a sense of of shooting or firing something. And, and, And that, of course, is what deceitful lying words feel like, isn't it? The old phrase, um, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me, has never been been true. Harsh, hard words do harm. And he feels like he's been shot at by these lying lips. And all that begins to emerge as he first prays. And so this, this psalm, the, psalm the, the, song, the first of these songs of ascents, as it begins, it's such an unusual place to begin. We think of journeying to God. We wouldn't think of starting with lies. But if we're to make a journey to God, we have to find the truth. And to find the truth, we have to deal with the lies. Lies about who we are, uh, that our culture has told us. Lies about who God is. Uh, lies that other people have spread about us, 
And he goes to God and he says, Lord, help me. Perhaps that's what we need to say tonight. Lord, deliver me. Help me. I feel trapped and I feel very hurt because someone has shot, fired at me bullets. He, the, the words have been like ammunition and they've hit me. Machine gun fire, verbal, shall we say, abuse. That's what he's dealing with. So the first thing, uh, as this psalm is showing us that only God can rescue us from lies, is, that, is to begin with prayer. But then as he prays, and I think this is, this is now verses 3 to 4, he then comes face to face with his pain. Remember, all the, all the psalms, I think, have this... Some of them, are, of course, are celebratory, and some of them are um, uh, more on the sort of downside of this. And this one isn't really down, it's just real. And this... And so he's coming face to face with his pain, verses 3 to 4. This is how he puts it. What shall be given to you? And what more shall be done to you, O you deceitful tongue? Here's our answer. O warriors, sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Uh, so what, what's going on here? Now, there are different opinions about this. Uh, one, one interpretation is that the psalmist is, remember these psalms are in all, every, you know, every word we believe is inspired by God and without error. And, and so this is God speaking through the psalmist. And so one interpretation will be to say that what's going on here is the psalmist, in, under God's inspiration, is prophetically declaring judgment on those who've lied about it. That's certainly a possible interpretation. This is what's going to happen to you. God is a God of justice. Uh, those who spread lies and deceit will um, face his judgment. And the psalmist, as he's writing uh, God's word, is prophetically announcing God's judgment. Uh, certainly a possible interpretation. Um, I, I, re- I wrestle with whether that's the right interpretation of these two verses. And, and there are a couple of reasons why. And obviously that happens many places in Scripture. There is prophetic announcement of God's judgment. But I wrestle whether that's what's going on here for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's the psalmist's own um, suffering. And I think um, humanly, it's very hard to experience righteous anger when you feel you've been wronged. I think it's, and maybe this is just me, maybe you don't feel this, but for me anyway, I think it's much easier to experience righteous anger when someone else is being wrong than when I've been wrong. <laughs> when I've been wronged, it's much, it's much easier to sort of feel unrighteous anger. And of course, the psalmist has been uh, wronged here. So for that reason, I'm not sure that's the right interpretation. And then also to me anyway, just in terms of its literary form, there's a question and then there's a, a statement. He isn't explicitly saying God will judge you. So I, to me, it doesn't, that isn't quite, it's a possible interpretation for sure. And I won't argue that you take that one. But for me, I don't think that's the right one. Uh, another possible interpretation is that instead what the psalmist is doing is he is in the vein of uh, of proverbial wisdom literature here. So what he's saying, rather than a prophetic denunciation, what he's saying is, when someone lies, the same thing will come back to them. So 
what shall be done uh, to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. So you remember that the deceitful tongue is this idea of shooting, firing. So what's going to happen to that? They'll be, it'll be fired back at you. That's, that's the nature of the, the world in which we live. This is what Proverbs often talks about. We live in a world, though it is fallen, is also un, uh, ordered by God, and there are certain cause and effects. If you jump off a top story of a building, you fall to the ground, gravity. If you hit someone, they're likely to hit you back. And if you lie about someone, it's likely that people won't trust you and you'll have lies spoken about you. That's the way life works. And, and so it could be that he's saying, in the sort of proverbial wisdom mode, this is what's going to happen. Don't worry, self, talking to himself. If someone lies about you, it's going to, uh, as Proverbs says, when someone digs a pit for you, they just fall into it and you don't have to worry about it. Um, that could be the right interpretation. But I, I, don't, I don't go there because it doesn't read to me like the obvious sort of Proverbs language. It, it's too personal, too poetic. It doesn't feel like that to me anyway. And again, I wouldn't argue if you take that approach. The other approach, which is the one I take, uh, which is that, as I say, this is dealing with his pain. So this language to me is the language of pain. And I think we have to read, what shall be given to you? He's talking about the one or the people who've been lying about him. What shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? Here comes the pain of warriors, sharp arrows, and glowing coals of the broom tree. Uh, one, one ancient commentator um, uh, says that the broom tree... Um, was known for producing particularly long-lasting coals. It would burn a long time. Once someone is very badly hurt, uh, this tends to be the sort of thing they feel. I'm going to get you back ten times over. I really think this is a confession. I think he's saying what he feels. And you often find that in the Psalms. They say what they feel, not necessarily what's right. You have to read the Psalms differently than you read uh, Paul's letters, of course. They, often you find the psalmist, uh, this is true of the imprecatory Psalms, the so-called imprecatory Psalms, the judgment Psalms. They're often, there's judgment in them, but they're often speaking what the psalmist feels. It's the language of pain and therefore of anger and therefore confession before God. In the, in the safety of his personal relationship with God, he is saying what he really wants. I really want that person who's deceived, spread deceit about me to get it back with <laughs> coals of a broom tree, like fiery arrows. It's a kind of confession, I think. He's saying the sort of thing that you wouldn't want to say in church. But then we often feel things that we don't want to say in church. It's pain. And in that space of healing with God, uh, in that space of, uh, of prayer with God, healing begins, begins to take place. This is why uh, the Psalms... 
uh, one um, uh, ancient uh, church leader uh, advised that new Christians should not start with the Gospels, they should start with the Psalms, which is probably pushing it a bit too far. But when you read this, you begin to see why, because he's confessing the, the darkness, the, shall we say, demonic, that he, the, 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 the evil that has come on him. So human, isn't it? When someone's hurt, hurt people, hurt people. And that's where he is. And, of course, the only solution to that in the end, as the story is told in the Bible, is the cross where Jesus is hurt for our sins so that we might forgive those who sin against us because all evil finds its place either in hell or the cross, but in either way it's taken care of. Of course, he doesn't have that whole story, but it's pointing in that direction. He's bringing his pain to God. We can do that too. Maybe you need to do that not just to pray, but to be honest with God about how hurt you feel. But of course it doesn't end there, uh, the psalm. It ends with peace. Sort of. (laughs) Well, let me read it out for you. Uh, Verses 5 to 7. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech. I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Now, there's a lot of different aspects of this going on. As I say, the, the psalm as a whole was saying that only God can release us or rescue us from lies. And you have the prayer, he goes first to prayer, and then you have uh, the pain that then he is discovering healing from in the, in, the, in the context of that ultimately cruciform, Christ's ultimately messianic, cross-centered relationship with God, but in the, in the intimacy of his relationship with God, as that's, of course, yet to be fulfilled, but we know that reading the Bible as Christians. Um, but now he comes to this place, and it, it ends in peace, but it doesn't end simplistically in peace. So here's, here's the difficulty with so much of, uh, of the Christian experience. Because churches and ministries want to present Jesus as victorious and the path of God as the right path to take, it's so easy for it to be presented in overly, in, in triumphalistic, which is different from the triumph that we looked at this morning, but triumphalistic or simplistic ways. It doesn't end there. There is peace, but there's a lot of other things going on as well. It is by no means simplistic. I mean, look, look what he says. He says, woe to me. <laughs> um, he clearly, he's not yet, if you, Psalm 134 is, is at the end, is filled with blessing. He hasn't got there yet. He's only on the first step. And he's still feeling very sorry for himself. Woe is me. Um, he's journeying that I sojourn. Remember, it's a journey to God. Uh, and then these places, Meshech and Kedar. Um, uh, these are areas 
uh, of uh, the, the words for areas that were far distant from Israel, uh, the Black Sea and the Arabian tribes. So what the psalmist is saying is, uh, these people who have lied about me, he's using these sort of um, derogatory terms for them. He's sort of saying they are barbarians, they're Philistines, uh, Meshech, Kedar, That's what it feels like is surrounding him. Uh, They hate peace. In fact, even though he says, I am for peace, when I speak, they are for war. So you notice he hasn't solved their problem. Isn't that a temptation? To not find peace unless we solve someone else's problem. They're still for war. Uh, Maybe they're still lying about him. That problem hasn't been solved. What problem has been solved? I am for peace. Or literally, it it is, and of course we don't speak like this in English, so there's no way of putting it in good English, but literally it's I, peace. I, shalom. Shalom. He's starting to be whole, healed. I, Shalom, are there for war, but I'm Shalom. He's found peace. Peace with God. And see, that's the solution, isn't it? When we are living in a world of lies and deceit, to find peace ourselves with God. And then be agents of peace and truth and life uh, to the world and the church. It comes as we um, are real in our prayer. We release our pain to God. In confession, he's confessing his anger, even his hate. A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. It's very confessional. That's what he wants to happen to them. And yet, as he confesses that, he, he's still conflicted. I, I think it's fascinating. So human, woe is me. <laughs> he's still saying, I'm traveling in Meshech among the tents of Kedar. This is highly, hardly kind of ideal um, discipleship. Yet, you know, those barbarians, those Philistines, he's not, he's not a paragon of virtue by any means. But he has found peace. And that's what this psalm offers to us. Through prayer and releasing our pain to God to find peace. Not all those who wander are lost. Are you wandering? We're on a journey, aren't we? And, and we're on a journey, I trust, to God to grow in our relationship with him. And as we are surrounded in our world by misinformation and deceit, we need to find the truth in our relationship with God and his word. And so we begin the journey. Next week we'll be looking more at help, 
I lift up my eyes to the hills, and where does my help come from? But this week lies, and there's solution only in God, through prayer, releasing the pain to God, and then finding peace. Let's pray. Our Lord God, uh, as the psalmist tells us, uh, we are to pray. And we do come to you. We ask, Lord, that you would, by your Spirit, do your healing work among those here present. I don't know all the life story, of course, about everyone who's here. But I'm sure there's not a single person in this room who at some point has not felt that they have been lied about. And and we live in a world of lies, misinformation, deceit. So we pray, Lord, that as we gather week by week around your word, uh, you would restore us to peace with you. That the pain that we have experienced by your spirit through your word, increasingly we would find healing. Lord, we know that this side of glory, there will always be pain. We don't look for simplistic answers. But help us to trust you and to take the next step in our journey to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.